0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome into to another edition of Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. You can find us on Twitter, at Political Beats. You can also find us on Facebook if you search for Political Beats. We ask you to subscribe to our feed for new episodes through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or go right to NationalReview.com. Click in the corner on Podcasts, you'll find all the fine NR Podcasts, including ours. Listen, enjoy, share. And leave reviews so others could help find or to help others find the program. My name is Scott Bertram. You can find me on Twitter at Scott Bertram. My tag team partner, Standing by as always, is Jeff Blair. Jeff, how are you? Well, I'm a little jammed for time. I got to do some
1: quick listening for the big podcasting. Um, my head is spinning, and I really can't quite open my eyes. I don't know about you, Scott. I've been I've been podcasting for too long, and I don't want to fail. But at least I have a new laptop and a bright future in sales.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More to come. Jeff on Twitter, at Esoteric CD. And our guest for today's episode is the editor of Bearing Arms, the host of Bearing Arms Cam and Company, and the 40 Acres a Fool podcast. You can find him on Twitter, at Cam Edwards, which is appropriate because his name is Cam Edwards. Cam, thanks for joining us on Political Beats. Ah, Thank you so much, guys. Looking forward to this one. And this is uh, one that I mean, uh, I've always wanted to do this episode. Not under these circumstances, um, we introduce uh, uh, Jeff to Fountains of Wayne for this episode, and uh, of course we do it uh, just just a few days after the death of uh, the co-founder, uh, bassist, drummer on the first um, uh, first album, and and songwriter for Fountains of Wayne, Adam Schlesinger, uh, of complications from the covid 19 virus this is not the circumstances that we wanted to do the show but i'm happy we are doing the show and that we finally after three years i have finally convinced uh, jeff to listen to the music of fountains of Wayne. so we'll hear from jeff in a moment first we head back to cam edwards and uh, get you to introduce yourself to the audience cam what's your beat job in the world of politics
2: Sure. So I focus on Second Amendment news and information. I, uh, I've been the editor of BuryingArms.com since last July. Before that, I was uh, the host of Cam and Company at NRA TV from about 2004 to uh, 2019. Uh, before that, was in uh, local radio in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Started out as a beat reporter. Uh, moved into an investigative uh, job and then became a, a talk show host. When I realized that was so much easier than actually, uh, you know, reporting, just being <laughs> able to give my opinion. Uh, and ever since then, I, I've been sort of blending the two uh, between original reporting and commentary. Uh, and so, while my focus is is you know daily on the right to keep and bear arms, um, I'm, I'm obviously very interested in, in you know a lot of other um, ancillary issues, the the you know just the the individual freedom that we have in this country and how to hang on to it.
0: It is so much easier just to talk about things that other people have done as a talk show host. I mean, that's that's the beauty of that job, I think.
2: Oh, it's fantastic. You don't have to go to school board meetings or, you know, <laughs> hang out in... Those are the uh, worst. ...board for hours and hours. No, it's, it's great. You just get to read what other people have done and then say, let me tell you what I think about this.
0: I would attend 10 city council meetings if someone else would attend one school board meeting. For, <laughs> school board meetings are the worst. Uh, and our, our our band for today's episode and our artist for today's episode, as I previously mentioned... Adam Schlesinger. We'll talk about some of his side work and other projects later in the episode, but the main focus of this episode will be on what was the main focus of his career, at least uh, commercially, and the way most people have been introduced to Adam Schlesinger, if not for maybe that movie thing he did, but we'll talk later. Uh, And that is the band Fountains of Wayne, an interesting name for an interesting band. And Cam, we head back to you. To tell us why you love Fountains of Wayne, how you got into them, and why other people should care about this music.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I got into Fountains Wayne really early. I remember when Radiation Vibe came out, their first single in uh, 1994. I was living in Oklahoma at the time. Uh, but I, I had these references because as a kid, I lived in Ridgewood, New Jersey for a couple of years. So ah. I, I I knew Wayne, New Jersey, right? I, I I got some of these references that they were making to the Tri-Cities area. Uh, and at the time that the first album came out, um, my best friend and I were in a band. We, you know, fully believed that we were going to be rock stars in the next couple of years. And so there was, there was really something compelling about just these two guys, uh, Adam and Chris, that were making such incredible music. Um, by the time Utopia Parkway, their second album came out, I had gotten married. The, uh, the I, I, I moved into radio. I kind of put my dreams of rock stardom aside, and I actually missed. That album completely i just i didn't even <laughs> hear about it so like most people you know the next time i thought about fountains of Wayne was when stacy's mom came out uh and that's when i went back i revisited utopia parkway and and that was the moment that i was hooked i mean they just have become a, a huge soundtrack to my life ever since um red dragon tattoo i used to sing that as a lullaby to my (laughs) twins uh when they were little because they got so sick and tired of the standard lullaby so i'm like racking my brain trying to think of songs that i like and can sing to so my uh, my youngest daughter can still to this day uh uh, you know sing uh fountains of Wayne, but she sings it a lot slower than uh than what it is (laughs) on the album discovered basil hayden bourbon was through a red dragon tattoo
3: mm-hmm.
2: um with their song new routine uh which is on uh, traffic and weather that was that 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 resonated with me so much we were living in northern virginia when that album came out and my wife and i had been talking about moving out of the dc area trying to find you know some place a small town something that just wasn't part of the the, the, the dc suburban sprawl
4: so people with the ladies and I. I'm so, I'm so sick of this place, I'm so ready for a change of place. I'm just looking for a new routine, so he grabs his cap, throws a dart at
2: That was, you know, on repeat as we're driving around the state of Virginia. Ultimately, we, we ended up about three hours south of D.C. on a small farm. But, you know, we would listen to these albums as we were driving around the countryside. And uh, and even today, like if I have to take a road trip up to D.C., uh, Welcome Interstate Managers is, is, you know, one of my go-to albums. In fact, I cannot take a road trip without – Listening and singing along to uh, "Little Red Light," that's my my go to driving <laughs> anthem, uh, even to this day. So, you know, there's there's nothing too deep about Fountains of Wayne. There, they weren't a band that make you think a lot, but there's something special about this band, and the music to me still resonates. You know, twenty five years after their first album was released. So I guess what I have to do now here
1: is explain why I've never heard of this band until last week. (laughs) Which is not entirely true, by the way. I had heard of Fountains of Wayne. Everybody knew about Stacy's Mom, obviously. You, you even me living. I was the boy in the plastic bubble during the late 90s and the early 2000s when it came to music. I didn't listen to radio. I didn't watch MTV. All I did was explore classic rock and post-punk and prog rock and things like that. Um so I was very much cut off from whatever was hip and trendy. You know, unless it was Radiohead basically. <clears throat> um But I had heard of the name of Fountains of Wayne. And I had to say, like, when I was younger, I don't know, it, it sounded like a dirty joke to me. Like, you know, like the spurting fountains of a guy named Wayne. I was like, well, who wants to listen to this? This is like the like the butthole surfers or something like that. <laughs> I'm very serious. When, when you have no context, no music to actually pin to the name, and I had no idea it was actually like named after a store that sold like water fountains, like you know, drinking fountains or uh bird baths and things like that in Wayne, New Jersey. I had no idea that was what it was about. But it certainly didn't incentivize me to want to go listen to the band. Um and you know, Stacy's mom came out. Everyone loved watching who was it? Was it L McPherson who was in that? Rachel, Rachel Hunter, Rachel, Hunter. Rachel, Rachel Hunter. Hunter. okay. Oh gosh, she was very attractive in that film, in that, in that video. And the song was obviously pretty clever power pop. But again, just not in my time. Like, it, it didn't hit me at that right time zone. It, it was never something that seemed to be relevant to me. Uh, and I guess I'm feeling really stupid about that right now because I went back and I finally listened to this band. doesn't have a very large discography. There are only five actual albums. Plus, there's an outtake CD. Uh, Or or B sides and outtakes, uh, which is actually pretty good. And almost all of these albums are shockingly consistent. And you know, the irony of this band is that I actually think that they're the band that I had always hoped. Big Star would be when people always used to describe Big Star and say, "Oh, this is just this great unheard power pop, power rock, you know, '60s '70s band that never made it, and you're gonna love their stuff." And and I got all of their material, and I do like Big Star. I mean, nobody's gonna you know say a bad thing about Alex Chilton or anything like that. But uh, I never loved them the way I was supposed to. I think those albums are all flawed. And then I listened to these albums specifically, those first four records. Um and I'm just stunned. You know, I know what Cam is saying, like, you know, this is not like this is not deep music, uh, in the sense that it's not like Tom York singing about modern anime and technological <laughs> ennui and you know, the big heavy themes and all that, life and death. Uh it's clever lyrics, uh, that are they are jokey and they're funny. Uh but they're not completely flippant and you know insouciant they actually do have real meaning sometimes they can actually be pretty powerful vignettes and character sketches uh i i really like the lyrics i don't find them to be nearly as jokey as some people complain mm. about them i also think that, that they're really good at, depicting a certain time and place like i didn't live in northern jersey or in the tri-state area but i recognize all those references and i mean it's so clear that this is this is a a band that was writing songs particularly on those first three records that were situated in like north jersey long island new york city maybe a couple references to boston every now and then i think they went to they went the collingwood and uh schlesinger met in uh, massachusetts in college it was williams i think they went to um so i do like that time and place aspect to their music it's very much like rooted in a certain region of the country in a way that like you know you think of old 97s and you think of texas or something like that well i've been saving
4: for a custom
1: really do appreciate the way that comes across with them. And I really also think that there is just a place in this world for very clever, well executed power pop that will make you happy. Which is exactly what these albums have been doing for me over the last several days. I find there to be shockingly few poor songs on any of their records. I find so little to complain about. I, 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 I end up also seeing Influences that I feel like they've had on other bands that I really did like uh, for a long time. Like I can't hear "Summer Teeth" by Wilco ever again without thinking that they were listening to that first Fountains of Wayne album and being influenced by it and taking some of that pop sheen and that pop sound and sort of you know melding it to Jeff Tweedy's much more gloomy lyrics, more introspective lyrics. <laughs>
4: She's got a problem, and she's gonna do something dumb. She's got a problem, and she's gonna do something dumb.
1: The sounds and the chordal constructions, man. Oh, I hear, I hear, like a bunch of things that are very similar, and I don't think it would be surprised anybody in the slightest if Tweety had been listening to them. So I, I think of this band sort of in the tradition of Big Star or maybe XTC, um, a band that was, you know, a, a very quirky and funny, wrote lots of great pop songs, but was never quite you know, at the right place at the right time to score, you know, the big hits that they deserve, except for like one random freak sensation, which, you know, (laughs) you know, hardcore XTC fans hate dear God, you know, and I know like all the Fountains of Wayne fans I've talked to were saying, well, Stacy's mom isn't even the fifth best song on that album. (laughs) It's the same kind of thing. And so like the people who really love this band are kind of upset. That's the only song that they are known for. Uh, But That's also a great song. And I'm really looking forward to talking about this band
0: fountains of Wayne has long been one of my favorite bands which is why i've been trying to get jeff to do the show for three years um but i i, I had heard radiation vibe and and even more than radiation vibe for some reason sink to the bottom from the first album i
4: want to sink to the bottom with you i want to sink to the bottom with The bottom with you. Cars on the highway, raising the air.
0: When I was really introduced to them was working at my college radio station. Um, all we got dozens. It doesn't happen these days anymore, of course. We had dozens of CDs every day from labels and artists asking us to play their music, and so there was a there, there was a group of us who would take you know a stack home and you know review them essentially. Say this is terrible, this is uh, this is great. Uh, these are the tracks we might want to play. I still remember I got. Uh, I had uh, I had Kid Rock's album and Eminem's album, the one, the "Double Without a Cause" and Eminem's breakthrough, and I I panned both of them because it just wasn't my kind of music. I was wrong from the commercial aspect, but I think right, you know, from the from the stations aspect. Um, but anyway, one of these stacks, in one of these stacks, was included "Utopia Parkway," the second album, and I love that from start to finish, from the first time I put it in the CD player, and from, from that point on have been a huge, huge Fountains of Wayne fan. Uh, Cam mentioned driving around Virginia to uh, uh, to uh, traffic and weather, and I did the same with Welcome Interstate Managers when it was released in 2003. Uh, I was just driving a ton. I was working downtown Chicago. I had reasons to be more toward, uh, uh, like, DeKalb in Illinois. I was, you know, stuck in traffic jams. I was on the train for two hours each day. So I just played the living crap out of Welcome Interstate Managers. And so much of that, uh, that album is kind of a, I just mentioned in a piece I wrote for the Federalist, it's kind of a semi-song cycle about like first jobs and entering the the world of of work and having a nine to five. And uh, I I love my job, but I was still getting accustomed to that that sort of routine. And that's, that's totally what Welcome Interstate Managers is, is all about.
4: I used to fly for United Airlines, then I got fired for reading high times. My license expired in almost no time. Now I'm tired and I think that's fine. Because the sun still shines in the summertime. I'll be yours if you'll be mine. I tried to change, but I changed my mind. Think I'll have another glass of Mexican wine because the sun still shines in the summertime. I'll be yours.
1: I think a lot of these albums actually have those first three albums. All have. This is funny, I made the same observation when I was listening to these things, like, yeah, this is all about like people who've just graduated from college. Mm-hmm. I almost called it what it might and what my personal joke was I think of those first three albums as sort of like office space, the soundtrack <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it is it could be like if office space was set in like you know the tri state area, it's the same people with the same kinds of problems and the same kinds of difficulty adjusting to their you know this this work routine, but anyway, Scott, I interrupted you, sorry,
0: but you know their character sketches are so detailed. Um I think of a line that I read a bit ago, which is uh humor columnists usually suck, but columnists who are humorous can be very good. Fountains of Wayne is not a humor band. I mean their their songs are not meant to be ta- to be laughed at, I guess, right? But they are funny in their ways through 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 the songs. And and that's how they were successful. Um, Jeff mentioned the lyrics, and I think you know there is a knock on the band for the lyrics not being deep and not having meaning. But uh, I, I, of course, will double Jeff's observation. I think their lyrics in many places aren't really quite good and, and better than many give them credit for. And there's a few songs we'll talk about that I, I, I think the wordplay is so precise that you you can take them... in in many different ways, or at least two or three different ways as to what the actual meaning is, you know, face value or the, or the stuff that's just under the surface. There's a lot of, a lot of that happening in Father Wayne songs.
2: Yeah, to me, they're not deep, but there's a sophistication there. And, you know, living in Oklahoma, when I first discovered them, you're right. I mean, all those songs about the tri-state area. It was it was interesting because it was, you know, to me, New York was this far away, really cool place. And yet they're talking and singing about the day to day activities, right? Riding on the subway, taking a day. Um, and it wasn't this glitzy, glamorous New York. In fact, they, they expanded out into the suburbs. Uh, and so, you know, to me, there's just something really special and unique about the way that they described the world that they were living in. They didn't you didn't necessarily want to be them. Right. As you were listening to, you know, I, I, was, a, I, I was coming out of uh, my metal phase and going into, you know, alternative music. I, I never wanted to, I never imagined like, you know, Chris and, and Adam on on Harley Davidson's cruising down uh, the Sunset Strip or down, you know, Times Square like. They they weren't um, well, quite right the opposite. You know, Adam wants you to leave the biker, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. But but the world that they that they inhabited was a world that was somewhat familiar, I think, to to all of us, even without the references to the Long Island Expressway and you know the malls of, of North Jersey, um, because you know I was that age where I was getting out of college and just starting my job, and so there was that familiarity and to kind of grow. Older with them over the years, I think it was a real treat.
0: the one thing I want to mention before we get into the first debut album, Jeff mentioned a handful of influences and I think certainly people will um, agree with most of those. you know I, I, I point to uh, certainly the cars we'll talk about it a bit. I think there's a lot of Devo in places, uh, the sweets or sweet from the 70s. and the one influence that I thought was really interesting. I read this interview with Adam Schlesinger uh, a while ago. Where they talked about some of the key influence for the for the band, and I wouldn't have put my finger directly on this, but it makes total sense. And that's Randy Newman. Uh, because especially Adam's songwriting, you know, the ability to take something very small and create a whole narrative around it, or the uh the ability to take these snapshots, these character sketches, I, I think you can hear be very influenced by uh the music and, and the songwriting of, of of Randy Newman back in the seventies specifically. I um, Go ahead
1: question i have is that before we even start talking about fountains of Wayne, isn't there a song that we have to get to first which is uh technically i suppose an adam schlesinger side project but it's you know i think the irony irony here is that maybe the song he's most famous for and it comes out before their first album of course nobody knew who he was at that time he's just a guy who wrote a hit song and the name of that hit song is that thing you do from the film that thing you do I don't know what you guys think of this one but the minute I heard this on the radio I was like that's a great song because of course I love the Beatles and there's this is great beatlesque pop from a, like a one-hit wonder band in America in the 1960s and I found out again 3 days ago that he's the guy who wrote that.
0: It's an incredible piece of songwriting because In the movie, and I'm I'm trusting we've all seen the film, but that song gets played 11 different times, you know, in in different iterations, whether it be, you know, bits and pieces. I think it's played maybe twice full length, maybe only one time full, full length. But it has to work on so many levels. It has to be a song that you believe that a first-time songwriter might, might write. It has to be a song that fits in the era that the film is set in. It has to be fresh to your ears each time you hear it. The kids have to like it. The radio stations have to have to like it and to check all those boxes with a song that still sounds fresh today is an amazing accomplishment and it's adam schlesinger wrote it and then uh mike viola who maybe won't ever get a political beats episode but is a really talented uh uh, singer songwriter his solo career he had a band called candy butchers he's worked with ryan adams in the past and has done uh, some work with adam Through a few different projects. Mike Viola does the vocals on that thing you do. Uh, And they're perfect. They're perfect too. It's just it's just great partnership and and a wonderful song for that movie.
2: I mean, that that song is perfect, as you say, for that film. And the amazing thing to me is that, you know, it doesn't just sound retro. Obviously, they were they were going for a a 60s sound, but it didn't sound anachronistic. And that's one of the cool things I think about Schlesinger's work in general is that, you know, he could I mean, listen, he could write these incredible pop gems, but he could also, you know, do the more atmospheric stuff with a, a band like Ivy. But there's a timeless quality. And maybe it goes back to, you know, Randy Newman as as one of his influences, because there is something about the the songwriting itself, not even the production value, but just the songwriting, that, you know, it, it, it doesn't sound dated even when he's trying
1: a little bit to make it sound dated. I mean, I think it's hilarious because my first thought once I found out that he'd written that song and I First and after I digested that first Fountains of Wayne album, the one we'll talk to talk about in a second, I was like, that could have fit on the album perfectly. I mean, the only thing that would have had to be done is maybe give it like a, a slightly more like you know snarky, witty lyric, right? You know, <laughs> a little more clever lyric as opposed to like the '60s fun pop kind of lyric. But that the chord changes on that, the melody on that, it sounds completely of a piece with the rest of the stuff on this upcoming first album, which of course is the first Fountains of Wayne album I heard because I start chronologically and. I got to say this is a hugely impressive album it 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 it, it shows the signs of being a two man band so like the drumming is a little stiffer than it would be on subsequent albums and like some of the overdubs are a little like you know you can tell they're, they're just like you know sitting in a room coming up well let's let's put a clever bleep or a bloop on this and you know okay maybe some keyboards here will work so it doesn't quite have the organic feeling of their later band arrangements but man what a great record this is i'm i feel like such a fool for not having given it a shot when you know i was 19 28 years old i just i don't know why i i skipped this for so long He's really hushed out. Was because I thought I thought that, I thought the band was like you know just another like you know you know novelty act Fountains of Wayne sort of like Offspring I suppose or you know Helmet you know, I think my my sense of what, what what alternate rock was in the '90s you know back when I was living through it and going through my classic rock snob phase was that oh this is all ephemeral stuff it isn't gonna last you know have one album and you know anybody remember what Silver Chair did after that first album <laughs> I, I guess I just without knowing better I just popped them into that box and. That was a really dumb move. Scott? Yeah. Oh, sorry. You were saying Cam?
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, I mean, the it, it's funny because I was definitely a power pop fan. Like as I moved out of metal, uh, I discovered bands like The Posies, uh, and and you know, Fountains of Wayne and so they're at jellyfish. I mean, those were the bands that that I was really into. And so what I liked about Fountains of Wayne is that yeah, they had that rock sound, but they weren't grunge. You know, they they were much more melodic. It was not ever going to be mistaken for Pearl Jam or Stone Temple Pilots, uh, which was the, you know, the prevailing alt rock sound of the day. And so to me, Fountains of Wayne did sound different. They weren't cookie cutter when they came out. Yeah, there's the, the music here, despite the fact that it's just two guys and, and, you know, like, I don't
1: know how they track it. Like, presumably Adam has to play the drums. Chris is playing, you know. A, a rhythm guitar track, and then they have to go put everything else on afterwards.
0: Well, they had a, they did bring in a bassist to play on the album, so most of this was oh, done as a, as a three-piece with Adam on okay. drums. Okay, yep. well,
1: then that makes a little more sense because what I was going to say is that it has, sounds really sprightly. It has a very... There are some really kind of, like, heavy power pop moments, and one of my favorite songs on the album is I've Got a Flare, mm. which is just this great, heavy, you know, harmonic chord rocker. But, like, Leave the Biker, She's Got a Problem, Survival Car. These are all, like, like kind of, like, really... Upbeat and fun and light and just brilliantly witty little like cameos. Um, I've just been absorbing this album for the last several days, and I'm so delighted by a song like "Leave the Biker." I imagine, you know, this guy's really you know masculine. The biker character is like this big, you know, like. Burr. He's wearing a leather jacket. He's got an enormous beard. He's kind of well. Let's say he's a Cam Edwards type, right? <laughs> you know. Uh, and then there, there, there's Adam sitting in the corner of the bar with his button-down shirt. And, you know, his skinny jeans, feeling like, what's wrong? Why can't I get that girl to be interested in me? And he just writes this really funny lyric about it. You know, leave the biker, leave the biker, break his heart. You know, the biker's vulgar. He's got, like, what is it? It's like he's got crumbs in his beard from the seafood buffet or something like that. The seafood special, yeah. seafood special. Oh, it's so funny. And it's just such a great, bouncy lyric
4: on top of it. And I wonder if he ever had.
0: There's a ton of great moments, and before we leave, "Leave the Biker." I had uh, we we have we email back and forth, and Jeff said, "Man, this reminds me of Wilco a little bit in some places, especially later on." And I said, that's so weird because I'm listening to Leave the Biker and Leave the Biker ends on this sustained piano chord, which reminded me of the end of Red-Eyed and Blue from Wilco from Being There, which of course reminds me of uh, A Day in the Life from the Beatles with the, that sustained piano chord resonating, which is how Leave the Biker ends. Uh, you mentioned I've Got a Flare," which is, I don't know, my first or second favorite song on the album. It's just like this supercharged uh, song and and that melody... If you can listen back to it, it's just sorta it's that melody from the coda of Layla, like twisted sideways. And that, that comes back a couple of times during I've Got a Flare," which is uh, just this overdriven synth that starts with this hollow drum beat. Uh, but I love that melody. Uh, I should mention, you know, Adam Schlesinger is writing songs for Fountains of Wayne, and so is Chris Collingwood, who is the uh, uh, guitarist and, and lead singer. But they don't they don't work together. Uh, they write separately. They, they have co-writes on all these songs. They said that it felt silly to argue about who wrote 15% or 10% when they got in the studio. So it's all co-writes, though they they essentially worked alone. And so we don't know specifically who wrote which song, but we do know in some cases. um, And sometimes you can get the the feel or the vibe, I guess. On this debut album, you know, Collingwood wrote for sure uh, Joe Ray. He wrote Leave the Biker. He wrote Radiation Vibe. And he wrote a song called Barbara H., which I love as well. We know Isn't that he, about his wife? Right. So we know he wrote it. Uh, yeah. It's about his wife. Um, but Barbara H. is such a great... Has this huge sing-along chorus to it. And sort of the inside winking references about writing pop songs. Barbara hates that the radio plays the same old songs. And uh, and then Callingwood writes... She, she hates songs that never seem to go away. And now neither will mine. Sort of a, a, a little elbow yes. to, to the ribs of writing these power pop tunes that just get stuck in your head all day long. Barbara H. is one of my favorites on the album, and the the two big, I want to say big singles, but the two big radio hits that got some play, Radiation Vibe, um, and then Sink to the Bottom, which is, as I mentioned, the one that sort of stuck with me from this album before I heard Utopia Parkway. This is a great album for road trips, and I, I don't have a convertible, but you know, top down, volume up, sing along to those big hook choruses. It's a wonderful debut album.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, sink to the bottom is one of my favorite. Sick day uh, is another one that I just think has this this great vibe to it. And again, it's it's they're already starting to tell those stories. Uh, you know, on that first album with a song like Joe Ray that uh, Chris Collingwood were, wrote. Uh, but you know, on, on Sick Day, it's this entire story about a a you know this girl in the office that uh, you know Adam is uh, apparently you know watching and 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 you know describing uh, you know how she's got this melancholy and ennui and uh, it's, I don't know, there's, there's just an atmosphere uh, about this entire album. As you say, it's its not quite as thematic as some of their later work, like Welcome Interstate Managers, but it, it is of a time and a place um, and they just capture it perfectly. Here is the man
4: pushing paper faster thinks of ways to make the day go faster, but the day goes on. The lunchtime lover Till the bath train finally comes The platform's full of bums again And she's making the scene With the coffee and cream And the copy machine's not working She's a hell of a girl She's alone in the world
1: I don't even think, like, even the weaker songs on this album, like, still hold up, and I don't have a problem with them. Like, so, like... Please don't rock me tonight. I think that might be (laughs) one of the weakest songs on the first album. But I still like that song because I always consider I, I consider it to be like a really fun funny inversion of all those cock rock songs where like I'm gonna rock you all night or like you know think of ACDC you know <laughs> you shook me all night and so what what does is, what is Chris sing says please don't rock me tonight I'm not in the mood <laughs> it's just like you know, like I think like equivalent of like I'm saying I have a headache please go <laughs> away I, I don't want to deal with this right now but I really love you know something like Survival Car which as a as a name as a title Little, just as like a funny thing, as I'm thinking about, like you know, like a car that's about to fall apart. But it's also just like you know, a, a car where you get in and you, uh, you you just drive around. You take the long way home through Central Park uh, because you, you feel freer and happier when you're in your car than you are when you're just like you know dealing with the everyday drudgery of the world. And it's just uh, again that that fun, almost skiffly beat, very innocent way that Chris sings it. Um, just you know, a fantastic little song that, you know, reminds me of, as I said, the kind of thing that I thought Big Star would be when I got those albums, but they weren't. Don't you
4: want to ride in my survival car? We can take a long way home through Central Park. Funny how the crowd can find my wheels. I'm going where the road ain't there, and won't be there. Still in West Coast towns, flying like a banshee through the overgrounds Funny how the ground can find my wheels. I'm going where the road won't dare.
1: There's again, there's so much good stuff. You curse at it, girls is just hilarious. Like you know, when when you curse at girls, you're basically you're cursing at it yourself. It's almost like, almost imagine it's like you it's know, like a, a mom or a dad trying to yeah. impart a respectful <laughs> lesson to their son. It's such a good song. This is a really great debut album
0: and so you know radiation vibe and sink to the bottom get some get some play and they're picked up by atlantic records who uh prepares a, a rollout for album number two hey they sent it to radio stations i know i got a copy although at some point i bought my own i had to give it back to the to the to the radio station uh and that's album number two utopia parkway um, and and this is where certainly more than the first album, there's this strong thematic uh, story uh, about really like suburban New Jersey, living in suburban New Jersey. Um, I read something at some point. I think Adam, it was Adam, not Chris. A- Adam was a huge Kinks fan and loved those Kinks records where you listen and you know it's it's Ray writing and singing about living in living in England and and and, and his little town in England. And they kind of had that idea about doing that for Utopia Parkway, just being a New Jersey suburbia snapshot. Uh, When they toured for that first album, they added two bandmates, Jody Porter on essentially lead guitar, and then Brian Young on drums. And Jeff had mentioned earlier, our first album is really just, it's a two-man band. But Jody Porter and Brian Young come on for Utopia Parkway, and they're there for the duration of... The band's existence. This was not just a, you know, a two person operation. This was a, you know, a real band, a real four piece band with the same guys playing on all these albums, which I think adds some consistency. It also adds some thickness to Utopia Parkway. It's not Adam kind of banging on the drums anymore. It's a a professional uh, drummer uh, behind the kit for Utopia Parkway. Um, I don't know what you guys think of Utopia Parkway. I, I, when we announced the episode, I, I remember seeing a few tweets, and I know fountains, some Fountains of Wayne fans consider this their strongest work. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I think it's on the level or near the level of all these first four albums, but I always have Utopia Parkway a step or two behind. And there's something about it, and we can we can talk about this, but I think the the the, the subjects of some of these songs are just a little detached and a little distant... There's not that emotional core that would really drive some of their, their really great stuff on even just the very next record. Even in some of the character sketches that they excel in on Utopia Parkway, I don't think they ring quite as true. So I have a little issue with that, but there are still some outstanding songs on Utopia Parkway.
1: As the noob here, as the guy who only discovered them like, you know, several days ago, I'll say I love this album. And I, again, there's like maybe one song on it that I don't think is that great. That's Laser Show, which again is a funny thing. It's very, very (laughs) suburban. Like, yeah, we're all going to go to the Laser Show at the. Planetarium, dude. I think they even make references to like Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon," which is always the thing that would play. Like you'd get stoned and you'd go to the planetarium and watch the lasers. Right? It's, it's such it's such a perfect image. But the song itself is a little bit just too obvious, straight-ahead rock. But there's some stuff on here that I really just. Stuff that makes me both laugh and stuff that really makes me feel like pretty thoughtful and ruminative. I think a fine day for a parade is a great song. I think that's one of the ones that Collingwood wrote, actually. Yes. Um, there's that that great line where I uh, hope I don't misquote it. This just like you know, the, she clears her head up with bourbon because beer is so suburban, and déclassé for what it's worth, which is just a great little little observation about some people's drinking habits. <laughs> but you know, you know, it's a sad sad chorus. You and know she drinks it down 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 for all the old days she's thinking of it now it's nice to get away but what a fine day for a parade almost like you can you know you can feel depressed and like you're going nowhere in your life or maybe the, the world has passed you by but well you know at least there's something to do here in this suburban town that i live in
4: clears up her head with bourbon because beer is so suburban and day class say for what it's worth Sit down
1: I love that little character sketch. Um, I think... The other one I wanted to mention that it really just always made me laugh when I heard it is Hat and Feet because I heard the song and it begins with like you know I'm just a hat and feet and I started thinking to myself well, you know that reminds me of that reminds me of one of those Warner Brothers cartoons like <laughs> yeah
0: that's exactly right <laughs> where, where nice.
1: Bugs Bunny drops a piano on Yosemite <laughs> Sam and then they get to that yes. and then the second verse is like yeah somebody dropped a piano on my head. the girl girl dropped a piano on my head and now I'm just a little cartoon hat with feet waddling around and I just love the fact that the image was so striking perfect and well chosen that it immediately conjured up for me without even having to be told what they were going for with the song and it's just another really cute very brief pop song says what it needs to say and then ends cold you a
4: bomb on me i didn't even see like a fire- I saw it coming, it got faster and louder till...
1: I could go on about all these songs, but let's give Cam a little space here.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's funny because, I mean, I, you know, this is the album where you do start to get into sort of the <laughs> the joking uh, the lyrics a little bit more. And I know that Chris Collinsworth had said or Chris Collinwood had said that he didn't want them to be seen as a novelty band. He wanted them to, to be taken seriously. So, you know, he wrote Troubled Times, which is, I think, probably Great my song. favorite song on the album. Uh, Amity Gardens which is uh, I think another just absolute uh, a gem but you, know, you look at the stuff that Schlesinger wrote like Red Dragon Tattoo the one that I turned into a lullaby for my kids I mean this is a song about going to Coney Island getting drunk and getting a tattoo right it's it's very straightforward to, Im- um, to impress a girl but I mean that's the a a important girl, twist right. <laughs> so you need to look a little more like that guy from Corn, right um, which is really hard by the way that's a hard line to turn into a lullaby but you know again <laughs> The way he's able to paint a picture and you know put you in these settings, um, you know, when I heard that album, I don't think I had a tattoo. I didn't know what basil Hayden was, but i I, I could I, I felt exactly what he wanted me to feel about, you know, and and what we've all felt about try to impress that girl that you know, just you you know that she'd be into you if she would actually, you know look at you. Uh, and it's just about you know trying to get that chance. And to to put it in a context that it's not it's a it's a it's sort of a, a, you know, a a backwards walking love song. I mean, it's about Mm -hmm. a girl, but she's not really the feature of that song. (laughs) Um, And and then I got to say, like, it must be summer. That is still I play that song on the first day of summer every year uh, in my car. I'll go for a drive and I will play that because I, I just I love that that feel. And it's so anachronistic now because the whole song is about not being able to get in touch with with the girl. Right. Because this is pre cell phone. So you call her house and she's not there. I think she's at the beach. You're trying to track somebody down. We don't do that anymore. Uh, but uh, you know, I, it, so I guess in a way, it kind of makes me, uh, you know, feel a little nostalgic for the old days. But it's just such a great, great driving song and a great way to uh, to embrace those sort of you know lazy days of summer that we used to have when when we didn't really have anything scheduled. When it was about just trying to hook up with our friends and what was the day gonna gonna bring. Um, again, it's just I don't know. It just uh, it's a great song.
4: Try your sister.
1: When Scott told me that he said he didn't find the character sketches on this one to be very moving, um, that was what I was, you know, I went back to it again and I listened to the lyrics more carefully. And I guess I've just got to say, I disagree with you. You know, there's the, the, my favorite song on, gosh, it may, it's definitely going to make my top five at the end. And I don't know, it's very close to my favorite song of their career is prom theme. Which again, you know, it's it's very telling that this is almost like an adolescent, uh, you know, tone. They're talking about kids. They're talking about you know maybe you know people who just graduated from college. It's very you know it's youth-oriented music, literally, right? I'm surprised they didn't really make a you know big hit in the college scene because they're pitching <laughs> it so specifically to that thing, but prom theme is not only the lyrics i really like it you know it's talking about you know here we are at last the moment will soon pass every all that stuff that you think at prom like and everybody's drunk and so i was like oh man i'm really gonna miss you you know but then it gets a little bit you know more kind of you know naked about you know how silly it is You you know we're all running out of gas the girls are feeling sick we're gonna pass out on the beach we're soon we'll say goodbye and then we'll just work until we die and it's all set to this really beautiful music. I think, you know, maybe there are fans out there who think this is like too goopy. It's probably the most, you know, straight up sort of emotionally romantic ballad that the band ever did. I mean, it's got full string section and it's, you know, it's a slow moving ballad. Uh certainly the most sentimental thing, but I think it's it's a moment of of true beauty in their discography and I think really almost the only one. Uh, So I really love that song and it really stands out for me
4: for that reason.
1: You know, there's Again, I don't really find there to be you know, much in the way of things to complain about here, which is why I feel so stupid about not having heard Fountains of Wayne until recently, because these albums are so consistent. Troubled Times, which is one that Cam mentioned, that is such a good song. And I actually have thought about what the, the lyric actually means, because what's the chorus, right? It's like, maybe someday soon it'll all come out, how you dream about each other sometimes, with the memory of how you once gave up, but you made it through the troubled times. So like, are these people together, no. or are they apart? No. And you're hoping that they'll get back together? I'm not sure Neither. how to read it. So I,
0: I, I. Trouble times is a, is a Collingwood track, and it's probably it's like their first irony-free song. Like it just is, like, as, as yeah. Cam mentioned, he really wanted it to be a serious song. Uh, I read this song, and this is going to happen at least two or three other times during the course of our discussion, because there are a bunch of songs like this. Again, you read it one way, you read the lyrics one way, you listen a different way, and you dig a different way. I see Trouble Times as um, a a guy who has has built this future fantasy about the girl that he doesn't have the nerve to talk to. Uh So, like, down the road, you know we like, we do get together and we find out we were both dreaming about each other but it's it, but that's not going to happen cuz he can't even get the nerve to go talk to her that's the way i reach trouble times
1: that makes sense like, i can totally see that
0: yeah yeah, that that does make sense. Although,
2: uh, you know, reading the lyrics, I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, you were reaching for attention, hoping she would notice you, right? Uh, collecting bottles and thrown away cans, like, like she was returnable, and one day would fill your hands. Um, it, it's interesting because the, you know, the the verses do have that, do give that sense of unrequited love, or the the, the guy who couldn't find the courage. But to me, the chorus, as you say, Jeff, it, it, and maybe it's just because I'm the eternal optimist, but but I always read it as uh, it, the happy ending. You know, you, they got their happy ending eventually, um, and and so to me, it was always a very a very positive song. Uh, <laughs> there were times when my wife and I were having troubles, and that was the song that you know kind of sustained me in in in, in some cases where it was the the sort of go to, like all right. You can get through this. These are troubled times, but uh, it'll all work out. And and so it is interesting how you can read these different ways. But yeah, to me, it was always, I don't know, like I said, I, maybe it's just the optimist in me, but I always thought this was the <laughs> song with really a happy ending. Piling away every
4: hour in your room, rolling with emotion, wait until it's proper there watching time fly past you. Why do tomorrow what you could never do? How she loved you.
1: Maybe that's the reason you wrote it that way, so yeah. there would be some sort of ambiguity in there.
0: Let me let me make two references to songs that Ken mentioned. Uh, it must be summer fantastic right at the end of the album. They're actually, that and Red Dragon Tattoo are two things I want to tie back to perhaps being influenced a little by Elvis Costello. It Must Be Summer reminds me of the other side of Summer from Mighty Like a Rose in that those those chords are bright, but the lyrics are a little bit darker. Certainly on the Costello song and then on It Must Be Summer, again, the whole thing is he can't find the girl, right? <laughs> it's like It must be Summer, it's fun, and I can't find the person I'm looking for. And then on Red Dragon Tattoo, just fe- phenomenal song, but the one verse, and I'll, I'm going to try to kind of semi-sing it here. Apologies to the to the band, <laughs> but you know the 38 special. You know, I bought a 38 special CD collection. Some back, teen to prevent infection, and in case I get queasy, a photo of Easy Rider. Right, that is so Costello in finding just the the places in the melody and how the words sound. Uh, is is as important as what the words say. I just love that verse. I am.
1: Here By the alone, way, I, ha- I heard learned. that li- lyric and I had to laugh when I heard them say like, I bought a '38 special collection because I was like, I thought I was the only person in the world that remembered that band existed. <laughs> like my dad had like old like 38 special videos. Wild on out his, southern his- boys. Right, I was just like, "Who remembers Thirty Eight Special?" But apparently, they did, and well, it
0: worked so perfect. and then Thirty Eight Special is the kind of band that would have like these these tattoos that were put on by a guy at a at a you know at a fair or you know at the right. at the at the carnival. It's just exactly. a perfect reference. It's a perfect reference for that song. It really song. is. Uh, so, uh, anything anything else on Utopia Parkway, guys?
1: No, actually, I'm going to open our discussion of. Uh, the next Fountains of Wayne album by asking, uh, has there ever been a better song written about a quarterback falling into the pocket to throw a touchdown pass than all kinds of time?
0: Or has there ever been another? Not, not, not better, but has there been another? <laughs> Where do you another? get
1: the idea for that song? I love that. That song is a fantastic song, but it is sort of the quintessential thing that I think people think of when they look well, Fountains of Wayne writes these songs about strange and, you know, pointless subjects. But I think that's a great song. Like how would you, you ever wondered what the quarterback is thinking as he falls back and the whole world seems to slow down you know he 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 knows he's under attack he's thinking of his uh his mother and his bride-to-be his two younger brothers who are watching on the tv it's just a a fantastic conceit and it's executed to just again just effortlessly beautiful music the
4: clock's running down the team's losing crowd. young quarterback waits for the snap When suddenly it all starts to make sense He's got all kinds of time He's got all kinds of time All kinds of time He's got all kinds of time All kinds of time time. Step back. he's under attack But he knows that no one can touch him now He seems so at The a strange inner peace Is all that he's feeling somehow He's got all kinds of time He's got all kinds of time
2: yeah and this might be the old lady song about uh, a quarterback dropping back <laughs> that i'm aware of but you know again what what's so cool to me is about you know, the the character sketches that these guys create it's not just about telling a story it's it's about i mean at this point you know you really are talking about a moment in time yes he has all kinds right, of time but right. in reality he's got four or five seconds right, right. and so you you're able to stretch out this you know five second period of time to a three and a half minute beautifully crafted pop song, uh, and and the, the character development in their in their songs they don't have to be about you know following somebody throughout an entire relationship arc. It can really just be plucking this one moment, this one play, part of one play in a football game. And, and as you say, you know all of a sudden now you're sort of lost uh, in that moment because of the picture that they're able to paint.
1: Scott, you want to open our, just, uh, or continue our discussion of Welcome Interstate Managers here? Yep. I know this has been the one that you've wanted to talk about for about two and a half years on this show.
0: Boy, oh boy, do I love Welcome Interstate <laughs> Managers. Um, it, it would be essentially a perfect album if not for the fact it, it was released in the CD era, which means it has about two or three more tracks than it probably should. There's 16 songs on here, and even for They're all part, at the end, too. Which yes, is the they are. Part. Yes, yes. You're absolutely you could, you right. You could
1: end it with Fire Island and, and be almost yep. basically a perfect album
0: that yes yes i, I could not agree more but i could disagree more
2: <laughs> we well okay, okay. <laughs>
0: those those first 12 13 songs are are just perfect and and and, and uh, as i said I, I would drive around and listen to welcome interstate managers or have it on on the train going back and forth from chicago to the, to the suburbs and so many of these songs hit absolutely home uh for me Um, I I, want to focus, I want to make sure I talk about that three-song stretch in in the center of this album that I think is among the best writing and music of the decade, of the decade of the 2000s. Four, five, six. So Hackensack, No Better Place, and Valley Winter Song. Those songs are so amazingly good. Uh, Hackensack, about the town and, you know, referencing the town in New Jersey is this is this guy holding on to a a fantasy that will never, ever happen. Um, Yeah. I will wait for you as long as I need to. You're going to have to wait forever because... He's it's it's a guy who was in class one period of one class with this really attractive girl who went on to be a famous actress and he's like well you know I know you're out in L.A. but if you want to come back to Hackensack I'm working for my dad and
1: <laughs> yeah who comes back to uh, right? Hackensack no one's that's coming why back it's so heartbreaking right?
0: that's it's hard no one comes back to Hackensack it's 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 tragic and sad it's not nostalgic at all it's just this illusion that the character is holding on to set to this this these heart this heartbreaking melody it's just fantastic.
4: I used to work in a record store, now I work for my dad. Scraping the paint off the hardwood floors, the hours are pretty bad. Sometimes I wonder where you are, probably in L.A. That seems to be where everybody is. States. But I will wait for you As long as I need to And if you ever get back to sack, and sack I'll be here for you
0: um, No Better Place to me, is the finest thing that Fountains of Wayne ever recorded. It's my favorite Fountains of Wayne song. I have circular kind of Rickenbacker guitar riff to, to kick things off. Those those drums kick in, pound in. It sounds great. This is a really well-produced album, too. And that the first lyric, is that supposed to be a, your poker face, or was someone run over by a train? Uh, hits so hard, and, and the song is again this 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 guy trying to convince his girlfriend not to leave town, not to leave New York for uh, a, a quote unquote better place. Uh, that bridge is so beautiful, and uh, you know here's your reflection in a building uptown. He's seeing her face uh, in, in the mannequins in, in the buildings, uh, and like like water under bridges. You're slowly passing by as you sail between the rooftops and the sky, and that song just takes off from there no better place is my favorite fountains of wayne song and that leads into valley winter song which i think has kind of become a fan favorite and it wasn't one of the singles or anything but it's this uh again this new york new jersey references upper west side staten island new england new york uh equating the season of winter to bad times and how neither will last uh to this sort of Country shuffle. Um, And and those lyrics hit hit hard, hit hard, and late December can drag a man down. You feel it deep in your gut. Short days and afternoons spent pottering around in a dark house with the windows painted shut. This this, is, you know, this emotional shutdown. Uh, That is is the core of this album for me, and it is so well done, so powerful.
4: And late December can drag a man down. Short days in the afternoon spent pottering around In a dark house with the windows pinched shut Remember New York you're staring outside As reckless winter made its way From Staten Island to the Upper West Side Widening out our streets along the way snow is coming down And I New England, we were done, And it's been falling all day long What earth is new? What can I do? Let's sing this valley winter song I wrote for you
0: but One other thing I'll mention before handing it off, because uh, you, know, you guys can obviously talk about these songs too. Uh, uh, Little Red Light and Hey Julie are back to back on this album and I always think they should be reversed because it is so clear that Little Red Light is the sequel to Hey Julie because in Hey Julie is this incredibly likable song this bouncing kind of uh, uh, I think there's even like a, um, oh, um, a washboard effect almost in there for Hey Julie where a guy is telling his girl man my life sucks but at least I have you and you make things all okay and I can't wait to get home to you. And then Little Red Light, which actually happens before Hey Julie on the album, is after she leaves him. And uh, yeah. th- the job sucks and life sucks. And you're not leaving <laughs> me messages on my phone and you're not sending me emails. And the Little Red Light's not blinking. You're not talking to me. They should be reversed on the album because Hey Julie comes before Little Red Light. But Anyway, Welcome to Interstate Managers is a, a must-have album.
1: Listen, I'm going to let Cam go, uh, you know, before me because I think it's only fair because this is obviously one of his favorite albums of all time. But I just do want to say that we are really so on the same page about a lot of the best songs on this record, Scott. A no better place. The lyric, the lyric for me that always, you know, that really gets me uh, is that line where he says, "Like so, I taxi to an all-night party, yeah, yeah. Park me in the corner in an old chair, sit my drink, and stare out into space." It's such a like a perfectly evocative image. I mean, it's something that I've done, so I know that <laughs> feeling—just absolute hollowed-out feeling and look in your eyes when you just know, like, the thing that you love the most is leaving, and you've gone to the party because you know, whatever—it's just something to do. But when you get there, you just hide in a corner and you don't want to even talk to anybody. All you're just doing is like living with your own sadness and staring out in your
4: reverie. And it may be the whiskey talking, but the whiskey says I miss you every day. So I taxi to an all-night party, park me in the corner in an old chair, sip my drink and stare out into space. Now you're leaving New York for no better place.
1: such a good song such a serious song and I guess that you know point I'll get back to making a little later is that like it's hard to look at these songs and call them like oh it's just like gimmicky songs or joke songs I mean everybody heard Stacy's mom and they think that but no it's not that way at all
2: Cam? Yeah uh, so first of all going back to uh, the little red light hey Julie phenomena what if Julie was the rebound girl (laughs) Scott? (laughs) Okay okay there you go again again, I'm always looking for those happy endings
4: powers on the phone Pointless calls. I got a desk full of paper that means nothing at all. Sometimes I catch myself staring into space, counting down the hours till I get to see your face. Hey, Julie, look what they're doing to me, trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down. Me, I swear it's so hard to bear it and I'd never make it through without you around. no I'd never make it
2: through without you around. You, you know one of the things that the I I love about this album to me it's a little schizophrenic there's there's not a lot of like mid-tempo songs you've got the you know the the, the big rock songs of like bright future and sales and uh, a and, and little red light and, and then you've got the the much slower songs to me it, it it kind of reminds me, in a way, of uh, the band Driving and Crying, um, the Athens, Georgia band that mm-hmm. again had a couple of hits, but never really hit it big. And if you listen to their albums, it was like half, you know, hard rock and then half very acoustic, folky, and, and it could kind of take you out of uh, of that space because it was, you know, kind of jarring. To me, the the structure of this album works a lot better than what Driving and Crying was ever able to do with, uh, with 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 you know their hard versus soft stuff. But I always like. The, the big rock songs, and I love the juxtaposition between these, you know, incredible, you know, great hooks and riffs. And then they're singing about, you know, being hung over in an airport. Uh, and, you know, I've got what the hell, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to start drinking in the morning. Uh, or, you know, that first line in Little Red Light, you get that great, great opening riff, and then the first line stuck in traffic on the tap and Z, and it's <laughs> you know, that's not a. I mean, this song, you know, Little Red Light has a lot of movement and momentum to it. But you know, it's it's this song that's this incredibly, uh, you know, frustrated guy who uh, who isn't going anywhere. And I I just I love that because you know, again, coming from uh, all rock from that sort of metal space, I I really liked the big guitars. I liked the the hooks and found a way gave you a little bit of, ba- of that, but without the you know the uh the the zucchini stuffed in the leather pants right it was it was (laughs) you had that hard rock mentality but you had an everyday joe that was the subject matter like a hundred Whether it was, you know, the the sad sack from Hackensack, uh, or you know, the guy who is a uh, 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 drunk and and you know calling on the phone, uh, you know, and and every time I, I uh, hang up, I get hung up on you. Uh, there's there's just something that is uh, very resonant to I think you know the 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 average everyday life that most of us lead. This album gave it a rock soundtrack, and I just thought that was really cool. I will say this that the best thing that
1: I can say about a song like bright future in sales is that it sounds like the kind of thing that Rhett Miller from old 97s would have written. It's such an incredibly detailed, you know, depiction of a guy who is you know, basically a screw up, but is, you know, maybe trying to do something better with his life, but maybe keep self sabotaging himself. And all these little details are just woven into the, into the narrative that makes it both funny and also maybe a little bit pathetic at the same time so he's like you know i'm sleeping he's a guy who basically he's a, he's drunk and he keeps on you know drinking himself you know out of his ambitions so i said so i'm sleeping on a planner at the port authority i was like i'm waiting for the bus to come i had Eight scotch and sodas at the office party Now I don't remember where I'm from <laughs> And he says I'm going to get my shit together Because I can't live like this forever You know I've come too far and I don't want to fail I got a new computer and a bright future In sales Which is you know some people will treat that As a joke like ah ha ha This guy thinks he's going somewhere But no I think it's a story about a guy Who actually like says like I can, I can aspire yeah. to something better Than what it is I'm doing with my life but you know at the end of the day he's going to keep on just you know like you know going back and making the same errors again and again set to just this electrifying music just most magnificent you know uh, you know musical accompaniment that you would ever want to have with a pop song about a subject like this
4: To come, seven scotch and sodas at the office party. Now I don't remember where I'm from. I think I had a black wallet in my back pocket with a bus ticket and a picture of my baby inside. And If I make it home alive, I'm gonna get my shit together. Cause I can't live like this forever not come too far and i don't wanna pretend i got a new computer and a bright future and sales yeah yeah.
1: yeah yeah a bright future and sales yeah yeah. yeah 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 i guess you know one other thing i'll say is that their first like true country experiment is on this record with hung up on you I know a lot of people like it. A lot of people mentioned it to me when I signaled that we would be doing Fountains of Wayne on this episode. And I think it's good, but I did have to point out that it's it's a little more than a little bit derivative it's clearly and we covered grant parsons uh, on an earlier episode it's clearly you're still on my mind Mm -hmm. from the bird sweetheart of the rodeo and in fact you can sing the chorus to the exact (laughs) chorus you know an empty bottle a broken heart you're still on my mind ever since you hung up on me i'm hung up on you now maybe there's you know Uh, an argument to be made that a lot of the tropes of country music melody are going to be reused and recycled.
0: That's pretty dead on and I didn't even realize until you pointed it out.
1: Yeah. It's still a fun song. It's a good song. It's a little lightweight um, but I know a lot of people like it. Uh, I think also we've all got to talk about this because i mean it isn't almost funny and we've gone through what most of the songs <laughs> on this album and we haven't mentioned stacy's mom and i gotta tell you whether it's a novelty hit or not stacy's mom has got it going on <laughs> that's a great flipping song Yes, it's kind of a throwback to like, okay, it's kind of a funny song, right? It, it's almost, it's almost a charmingly pathetic thing about this like 15-year-old kid who thinks that like, yeah, man, I can totally get like the hot milf in my neighborhood. I'm gonna like, you know, I'm not a man or I'm not a boy anymore. What was this line? He's like, I'm not the little boy I used to be. I'm all grown up now. <laughs> you know, of course, he's like 16 or 15. <laughs> the video for this makes it so hilarious because like, these like the girl who Stacy is. It's actually a really really cute girl like in high school you'd have like totally wanted to date that girl (laughs) right and she's clearly into the guy the little boy and he ignores her because all he could do is is think about stacy's mom but it's a funny song and also can you deny the absolutely massive carved out of granite pop hook of the chorus it's just a, a song that I guess I see, I see why like, the hardcore fans are angry that, like, well, you know, that's not all they should be known for. But it's listen, still, still now that we all song. know this band, can't we just admit it's a great song? <laughs>
2: It, it is a great song. I mean, it was you know obviously I think it, it if you liked the band it got overplayed, but uh, you know and it's the one that I'll probably skip over the most as I'm as I'm you know listening to the album, but you know that's just because I, I know it. But when you go back and I went back and I re-listened to it a, a few times over the past couple of days, you're right. I mean, it's like to me, it's like Cheap Trick and the Cars had a baby. Uh, yeah. And it's just this, you know, it's just this great moment in time. It, again, it, it it sort of harkens back to the '80s, but it is not uh, a ripoff of the '80s. It it sounded fresh when it came out, uh, and the the video was absolutely perfect for its time. I mean, it really was. And and look, you know, yes, as cute as that high school girl might have been, if her mom was Rachel Hunter, Jeff. <laughs> You know, yeah. You'd be saying the same damn thing that, uh, that, that, that they were singing about So, yeah, it's a it's a great song um, One thing that I, I did want to mention, though Is you guys talked about how this album could have ended With uh, Fire Island Which is like, you know, song 12 To me, Bought for a Song uh, Which comes a, a couple of songs later is a, is a great song And, you know, it's also, I think The first of a theme that they would write about Which is being a Not incredibly popular Uh, A band having to go out and grind it out on the road This was their sort of first road song And uh, Welcome Interstate Managers You know, They were dropped by the record label after Utopia Parkway Uh, Adam Schlesinger had had talked about how Chris Collingwood took it very hard And and felt like everything that they had worked for was just a a failure Uh, And and this is a very, you know, kind of On the one hand, it it, it sounds kind of exciting It starts out, you know, come on, get your ass out of bed You heard the man said, the crew's already gone Uh, We were all kind of high, but man, what were you on? Trying to take a shuttle to Spain, they kick me off the plane. It's you know, it's this great kind of you know rock song, but at the same time, you know, it, it, there's also I, I think a great deal of cynicism to it. Uh, before you get sold, you get bought for a song, and so you know they're they're now I think they've lost their innocence on this album, <laughs> uh, which is something that they still I, I, I think they still had a little bit of innocence on Utopia Parkway, um, but I think that that's gone now. They've they've tasted the real world they're not fresh out of college you know now life kicked them in the balls a couple of times and uh, and i think that this album kind of demonstrates that i think they've grown a little bit from utopia park
1: I think that's an okay song, but it feels more like a B-side to me. All of those last four songs, I think Super Collider is the only one that really grabs my interest. It's, it's got a nice sort of like techy, yeah, techie, uh, you know, Computery vibe to it, obviously, it's because it's you know super collider, but it's still not nearly as good as the Radiohead song of the same name. Um, so I do think that this is the only Fountains of Wayne album, ironically enough, that it is overstuffed. And despite that fact, it could still arguably be their best album, which is a tribute to how great. Those first 12 songs, which really kind of feel complete. I mean, everything there, uh, it just feels like there's there's nothing that should be dropped in any way. I almost feel like they if they put those last four songs on an EP that came as a bonus disc with the album, that would be a, a better way for them to have done this. But of course, they, they, they weren't going to get away with releasing a double album after all. I mean, who on earth would ever want <laughs> to buy a double album? They by had a band no label at the time. Wayne. What'd you say? They had no label at the time. They, they had no label at the time. Album? But they. But they were able to get away with releasing a double album because of the success of this album, which is brings us to, of all things, the B-Sides collection of the Fountains of Wayne discography. It's called Out of State Plates, and I got to tell you, I am... There, okay, it, it's two CDs. It's 81 minutes long. There are totally some throwaway tracks here. I think it, 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 the, the weaker stuff really actually kind of hides at the end of the record, not the last few songs mm-hmm. on the second disc.
3: Mm-hmm. But, man,
1: there is so much good stuff here. You know, there's not only like big pop tracks like Maureen, which I think was a, like a new song that they recorded just for the release. That's a great Amazing power pop song. But man, there's some stuff that is just genuinely funny, like naggingly memorable throwaway stuff. Like, I love California Sex Lawyer. (laughs) All right. I've got the looks to kill. I got a license to drive or a license to love. I got a German Shepherd and his name is Doug. I'm going to become a California Sex Lawyer. Oh, yeah. A California Sex Lawyer. It's not fair. Baby, I don't care.
0: Oh, (laughs) God, I love that song so much. That heavy breathing uh, makes the song. It's so About stupid, but it's through. just
4: so funny. I'm going coast to coast. I'm going mission wide. I got my hand on the trigger. Got my girl by my side. I got the looks that kill. I got a license to love. I got a German shepherd and his name is... Come, a California sex lawyer, oh yeah, a California sex lawyer, oh yeah, a California sex lawyer,
1: oh yeah, well, it's not fair, but baby, I don't care. <laughs> Anyways, well, uh I could... There are other songs in this album that I could talk more about, but I want to know, first of all, what you guys thought about this, the B-Sides collection.
2: You know, I thought it was great. And and as you say, there's a lot of, of, you know, hidden gems. Uh, Maureen, obviously, as you said, was previously unreleased. That was the the single that they released. Um, But uh, I'll do the driving, I thought is fantastic. Uh, The Burt Bacharach, Hal David song that they uh, covered, Trains and Boats and Planes, which was a a B-Side to Stacey's mom. Um, that's beautiful. I, I I love that. They also uh, cover uh, ELO. Can't get it out of my head. By the uh, way, and- I never liked that song. We did an ELO
1: episode uh, with Jack Butler, and I never yeah. liked the song when we when I first covered it. There was another <laughs> band I knew nothing about. By the way, um, I finally understand why that's a good song when I heard their live version of it. <laughs> wow. I like their version way better than ELO's original one.
2: That's pretty awesome. Uh, What about Baby one more time? Do you like the Britney Spears version? No, I
1: actually don't. I mean, I never liked the Britney version at all, and I just don't like their version of it either. I think it's just a bad song that can't be rescued.
0: They were going to put that song out with, I think the I think the B side of Stacy's mom or something. And, uh, the record label was so excited. They're like, no, we're going to, we'll, we'll make that the single. We're going to make baby one more time. The single. And then they said, no, we're not giving you that.
1: So yeah, that's why I, Thank got God, for this I don't album. think that there's anything to merit. There is anything of merit on that song originally or the cover, but you know, the, the thing that you, you come to th- at least believe about all these songs. Most of them are B sides from the, the various singles that the band released, uh, you know, from their first three albums. Um, A lot of these songs feel like they were just left off because they were too kind of folky or too light and acoustic. And it feels like it's incomprehensible that a song like I Know You Well was left off of Utopia Parkway. That is such a fine acoustic groove.
4: December snow, like morning, through an old window, there's a place in your head, I will always know, To the same world born two of a kind, if it's on your mind, it'll be on mine, cause. tell how you know i know you
1: knew i know you well i think it would have actually been one of the great songs on that album i'll do the driving is another one of those lovely, yep, lovely cameos one. it should never have been left off the album the keyboard solo i mean if it's what it is i don't know if it's a keyboard or not it's just it's so lovely it feels like a lot of these songs were just you know discarded or sent away as b-sides because they weren't power poppy enough and i consider that to be a big mistake um you know that would have obviously changed the tenor of these albums they would have felt like something different if these sort of lighter or more folky or more country songs had been included but it's really glad that they're here and you can find them now because i really think that they hold up well
0: guys have mentioned virtually all the great stuff on here. I will point to "Elevator Up," which is the best Oasis song never recorded by Oasis. Yeah. And, <laughs> actually, I like "Elevator Up" um, more than I do uh, "Bought for a Song," and I think they're kind of they're, they're similar in, in the way they're they're uh, they're they're written. And, and then the other one from the. First disc is uh, "Carpet King," which is a, a Schlesinger song, and I love the the, the double meaning because clearly uh, they're talking about carpet as in toupee. Uh, he looks like he's wearing a cheap disguise, but it's real. But also "Carpet King" as the like the name of the business this guy this guy owns. He, he's a you know small time small time. But big time small business owner who's betting all the local women in town, but kind of lecherous that the women at work are scared of him. It's just this really neat character, and, um, and I, I like the, the melody that goes along with, with Carpet King as well.
4: Old
1: That co- song made me laugh, too, because where I used to live, uh, you know, in Potomac and Rockville, there was a store called Carpet King. There you go. Uh, except the owner was like like an Asian Persian man. He was very cranky. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't the same character as this fellow. Like uh, the,
0: there are neat covers. The ELO cover, uh, there's a great version of Jackson Brown's These Days. These Days, yeah. And I guess I'll mention it here. Uh, the version of Better Things from uh, The Kinks that Fountains of Wayne... Does is is just phenomenal? It's, it's just a tremendous cover. It's not on out-of-state plates. It's on uh, this Kinks tribute album called "This Is Where I Belong." Second mm-hmm. time it's been mentioned on the show because that's also where Cracker's version of Victoria is. Uh, Jonathan Richmond does a version of "Stop Your Sobbing." It's actually a really good uh, tribute album called "This Is Where I Belong." But highly recommend tracking down the the Fountains of Wayne version of, of "Better Things."
1: And by the way, I'm also always on the lookout for a good Christmas single. And I have to say,
0: <laughs> I really love this Fountains of Wayne
1: Christmas single. It's like funny and innocent. It's like almost like a like a good kids song in the best possible way. It's called I Want an Alien for Christmas. You know, it's like, you know, I I don't want sweaters. I don't don't play basketball, so don't give me a bike or anything like that. I want an alien for Christmas. I want a little green guy about three feet high with 17 eyes who knows how to fly. And it's just just delightful and goofy and innocent and there there's no subtext to it there's no like you know hidden meaning or anything like that it's just a really fun christmas song it's it's a hell of a lot better than wonderful christmas time all right <laughs> it, it's it's a lot better than you know happy christmas war is over all right? you know it, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 maybe not as good as fairy tale of new york but it's still a lot of fun um so yeah you guys you know, definitely worth checking this record out
4: this year for christmas. There's something I'd really like So if you're up there somewhere, Santa Please don't bring me another bike I don't need any ugly sweaters And I don't play much basketball But there's something kind of special That I want most of all I want an A Seventeen eyes Who knows how to fly I want an alien
2: For Christmas This year to, to, to me, that song I want an alien for Christmas That was the Wonders Or the Oneiders uh, Christmas single Yes Because to me <laughs> There's very much that That, that yeah. Wonders vibe to it Right? It, it does harken back to the 60s And you're right It is better than Paul McCartney It might even be a little I don't know if it's better than uh, Merry Christmas I don't want to fight tonight By the Ramones But, uh, but it's up there so For after the, the fourth album, yeah, Scott, you were going to say? No, just
0: after the, uh, the dual, the two CD out of state plates, uh, collection, I think four years, right? Four years is, is what it, it sounds in my the, mind. I mean, um,
1: 2003 uh, to 2007. Welcome Interstate Managers is 2003, and yep. then this one is 2007, yeah.
0: And that's Traffic and Weather, uh, which, um, I mean, it didn't have a hit single. It, it didn't climb up the charts. It wasn't uh, It wasn't to be a, a multi-album string of power pop uh, hits on the top 40 charts for Fountains of Wayne, but... Guys, traffic and weather is really good, and I think is essentially um, as good as those first three albums. This is one that is done largely by Schlesinger. Collingwood had uh, issues with alcoholism and depression. He only writes three songs on this album, uh, Fire in the Canyon, Hotel Majestic, and, and Seatbacks and Tray Tables, and everything else is Schlesinger. Uh, I, I think more than ever, there's even a, 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 a sadness to a lot of these stories, Um and his characters on uh, traffic and weather. And uh, I'll just start by, I mean, the first song, which was the lead single, Somebody, uh, Someone to Love, which uh, I, I love the way the song is constructed, though, because the song is essentially the story of two people who don't meet. That's that's the That's the end. But... You see a a character, Seth Shapiro. You see a character, Beth McKenzie. We found out about each of them in one of the verses. They're lonely, loveless souls, but also not really trying to find love. And uh, the end, you know, they're both going for a cab and they don't find each other. They don't see each other that's it set to these really 80s-esque synths and almost this disco four on the floor beat uh, i do like someone to love the lead single from traffic and, and weather it, it's a it's a well-constructed song
4: beth Markins, he got the job of her dreams retouching photos for a magazine aimed at teens it's thursday night she should be out on the scene She's sitting at home watching the King of Queens There's something wrong that she can't describe She takes her contacts out of her eyes 60 be long for 645 So she can get a little exercise
0: Think about the rest of it.
2: Uh, This album actually has some of my favorite songs on it. Um, 92 Subaru. Uh, You know, again, you you talk about their ability to craft these really great Rock songs about the most inconsequential things. Um, You know, everybody has their first car, right? Everybody has that car that they think, oh, we can, we I can turn it into something special. Uh, My first car was a '73 Dodge Dart (laughs) Swinger that uh, that you could not turn into anything special. Really Uh, hit, man. Yeah, absolutely, it really did. Uh, So, you know, "Someone to Love" is fantastic. '92 Subaru is one of my favorites. I ninety five is is a great love song, uh, and for. You know, for about a year and a half after we moved to the farm, I was living in D.C. during the week and driving home on the weekend. Down I ninety
1: five, which is a horrible, horrible commute too. By the way, exactly.
2: Um, And so, you know, that one. uh, You know, they they sell posters of girls washing cars. uh, (laughs) You know, and it's it's thinking about a a, a, you know a truck stop uh, in Virginia. Um, and it's it you know that one to me resonated.
4: And tees that say Virginia is for lovers, but it's not. Round here, it's just for truckers who forgot to fill up on gasoline. Pack up near Aberdeen. It's a nine hour drive from me to you. South on I ninety five and all, do it till the day that I die. If I need to, just to see you, just to see you.
2: And the new routine, as I said, I think might be my favorite of Wayne song of all time. I love the, the storytelling, how there's this revolving cast of characters uh, and a revolving, you know, geography, a, a spinning globe of places. Uh, but just the chorus of I'm so sick of this place. I'm so ready for a change of pace. I'm just looking for a new routine. That was me uh, a couple of years after this album came out and just looking out my front door in Northern Virginia and counting, you know, 28 other homes that I could see and just feeling like People were on top of me, and, and, and having lived there for almost a decade, ready to break out and to find that new routine, uh, th- this was my theme song for you know a good year or so of my life.
1: This is the album that I was primed to not like. And why? Well, because I just sort of have, like, after a lifetime of listening to rock music and, and sort of the, the arc of an artist or a band's development, all the signs seemed inauspicious, commercial failure that comes four years after the band's last album really fraught production apparently because you know i could read about it on wikipedia you know obviously i'm exploring a band that i don't know much about like everybody else i go to wikipedia i was thinking to myself well this so this is going to be a big letdown and it's miraculously it's not it's it's pretty much just on the same trajectory as the other three albums are which is amazing to me and the, even the songs on this album that initially turned me off won me over. So, like, the title track, Traffic and Weather, I mean, it's basically like Anchorman, right? You know? It's like, um, you know, you know, like 6 o'clock news or whatever it is, you know, the, or, the, you know, the Channel 6 news team. And, like, you know, they're, they're doing their little patter about, you know, like, you know, this and that. And then all of a sudden, the, the one anchor turns to the next one and says, like, you know, it's time I made you my lover, and then and then the chorus is just rock stupid, but also unforgettable. Ooh, we belong together, like traffic and weather, like traffic and weather. It's dumb, but it's also lovably dumb. You cannot get it out of your head. Every
4: we really got business reports. We're gonna take a break and we'll right back with cross. Hey, Dan, I like those shorts. I've never seen them before. I belong belong weather
1: I think the like one tra- actually that really, really knocked me over is the one I even made a joke about a little earlier on the show, which is Michael and Heather at the baggage claim. First of all, a beautiful song music wise. Uh, but the lyrics again are almost like a puzzle, an interesting puzzle. Like I don't know if they're about what they claim to be about or whether they're about something else altogether, right? So like what is the song? It is literally what it says it is. It's like, you know, about a song about a couple that loses their luggage. You know <laughs> they go into the baggage claim and it, it doesn't come off and then they go to the, you know, the guy at the kiosk and says, I'm sorry we can't found it. Can't find it. And, you know, you're like, so is that what this is about or is it about like losing something in your relationship, you know, losing some essential part of your identity or your love from one another that you, you don't know how to replace? And, and I think it could be almost because there's you know, that line at the uh, the end, you know, just, you know, it's been a long day. Can't we just be on our way? And then Michael turns to Heather and says, Heather, have you had enough? And Heather just says, Michael, you know that it's you that I love. And that to me, at least, you know, is the clue that this is more than just like a quotidian song about losing your bags at the airport, Uh, that it's more about a relationship and sort of the way relationships can get tired or you can lose things about them over time. But that at the end of the day, if the relationship is strong enough, it can hold together. I think that there, you know, the the other one that I really like uh, is this better be good, which is just a purely angry jealousy song and pretty funny too like (laughs) you know you know your best friend renee keeps on saying she saw you at the gap with somebody guy in a baseball cap and then the chorus is this "Eh, so you know this better be good and what he means by that is like well your explanation boy it better impress me because right now i just think you are a cheating whore (laughs) that is (laughs) the rage with which chris sings the song and again just another fantastic rock track
4: for the long weekend but something don't seem right and your best friend Renee keeps on saying she saw you at the gap with somebody in
1: I keep saying this And it sounds repetitive But there are so few things That, that let me down on this I think like a yeah. planet of weed Is yes. kind of boring yes. All right you know, okay. Um, you know, Yolanda Hayes maybe doesn't do it for me. But I love the 19, 92 Subaru. Silly jokes. You know, like who's going to trick out a 92 Subaru? Well, what he talks about. <laughs> what is it? He puts a mini bar in there with just a little alcohol. I love how he, he stipulates that it's only a little alcohol in his car. You know, as if that will get him off the hook with the cops. It was like a lime green uh, TV. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, and also now he's got the GPS system, so I'll never lose you, baby. It's just funny, and also the, you know, the idea of, of tricking out—you know, uh, like the most throwaway junker beater that you can imagine—is, is, is as Cam says, it's wonderful. The, the best, uh,
0: the best part though, is that breakdown, which reminds me of that silly breakdown from Panama with David Lee Roth,
1: right, right. right. Like,
0: <laughs> and this is their version of oh, I put my put my hand beneath the seat, rule. The seat back and then you know this thing's a beast, the value will only increase. It's been negotiating terms like peace in the Middle East. That's that's exactly what it reminds me of, is that is that Panama thing from, from Van Halen.
4: Open in from some Swiss man Alarm so get in. This thing is a beast, value will only increase. Been negotiating terms like peace in the Middle East. There's only three of its kind. Easy to find.
1: oh man it's such a witty song and even the smaller songs on here really you know do hold up like revolving dora what a what a pretty little almost mysterious song that is just goes in and out it's it, between this better be good and michael and heather which i think are the two for me at least two of the major songs on this record so it kind of falls between those two tall stools but i think it's an excellent song. Um, You know, I guess Collingwood didn't contribute much to this album, but at least he gave us "Fire in the Canyon," which is my favorite kind of countryish pastiche of the band's entire career. Uh, and I think one of the best songs that I can at least know for a fact that he wrote, because I really I, I love that song. And again, it has the, the depression and the melancholy that was clearly becoming you know, part of his hallmark writing style, at least during this era. This is, of course, you know, he was fighting alcoholism uh, and he was really not in a good state of mind. And and that led to a bunch of friction in the band that would show up on their next record, which we'll get to. But yeah, uh, traffic and weather, man, I I expected it to be a huge decline and it wasn't.
0: Four more years pass between traffic and weather, and Sky Full of Holes, which is the the last studio album from Fountains of Wayne. And uh, if 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 the last album was kind of fraught production wise, this one's even more so. Uh, Collingwood describes it as him essentially returning, like when like when you know Jagger and Richards would each you know dump out for a while in the seventies and then come back and try to reassert themselves. Collingwood wanted to come back and say, well, you know, <laughs> I can write half this album. Uh, And that didn't go so well, and they actually went to therapy to try to work out their issues, and eventually uh, said, look, we'll finish the album, we'll tour it, and then that's it, we're done with each other. And if you've read some of the uh, interviews with, I think, both those guys, really, maybe especially Chris, there there was still a real bitterness, at least uh, as of a couple of years ago, between the two of them about how this last album went down sky full of holes and uh i I think this is one that that clearly is a a step back or two steps back from the quality of the of the the past four and it's a different sort of album in terms of songs. it's not that overdriven power pop sort of stuff it's more of um kind of acoustic based writing and and more about the the pop craftsmanship almost um you know if if previous albums were had the influence we, we talked about with maybe big star and and Devo or, or or bands like that like the most Relevant things I point to from hearing songs on sky full of holes is almost more from the singer-songwriter uh, Realm like like Jackson Brown or or, uh, or even like the Jayhawks um, There's a lot of that sort of songwriting happening on sky full of holes for so if you're expecting kind of that Supercharged sound of old. It's not there most of the way on sky full of holes I'm not sure the songs are quite as strong either guys
1: No, I I agree. I just, it's the first one where I was like, okay, well, here's the letdown. I was waiting for the letdown and the letdown finally came. And I think you're right about identifying the sound as being a part of that. It it is a much more folky, acoustic. And Jackson Brown was an interesting comparison. I think Jackson Brown stuff is a lot better than this. Actually, (laughs) We did a show on him. Um, Yeah, there are a couple of good songs on this one. I think Action Hero is a great song, but that's a song that very much harkens back to sort of the timeless verities of their earlier great albums. It's about a guy who basically, you know, he's just like, you know, a married schlub with, you know, a kid who's throwing peas and eating with his feet. But in his mind, he's an action hero and he should be fighting crime and racing against time. And then there's that great line where he goes to the doctor, and they're like, you know, and they basically say, you need to get get some rest, cut back on the stress. Um, you know, but he says, I can't do it because I'm an action hero. But, you know, he's not. You know, he's just a, you know, a married guy who's like a Walter Mitty type who, like, you know, probably dreams of doing wonderful things, but has to just live his everyday boring existence. Beautiful song. Beautiful lyric. The
4: doctor says it's real. Try to cut back on the stress Cause I don't like what I
1: I also think a dip in the ocean is a pretty great song too, um, you know. I think it's almost a bit of escapism. Um, but beyond that, yeah, man, this is the one where I actually, I just don't see too much that really appeals to me. And maybe, maybe Cam will tell me that I'm missing something.
2: No, I wish that I could, uh, because it'd be great if you know if they didn't have that clunker. But I, I think, I think this one is uh, the, the the clunker of the bunch. And you know, I'm sure a lot of that was. The tension between the two, uh, uh, you know, Adam and, and Chris at the time, uh, I think the the move towards a, a more acoustic uh, style. I mean, they had done a couple of acoustic tours, I guess, that uh, Jody Porter, the guitarist, said it, it really influenced the sound of the sound. Um, you know, for the for the fans of like the classic Fountains of Wayne sound, the Summer Place. Is I, I think a, a, a good song. It's not a great song, but it's it's got you know a little bit of that uh, old mystique. Um, I do really like someone's gonna break your heart. I think it's a, a fantastic song. Uh, it's got that driving pop hooks. Jeff, I like a dip in the ocean as well, and then you know a road song, which um, I I don't know who wrote that one, uh, whether it was Adam or Chris, but you know throughout I guess their last three albums they they tended to have a song about going out on tour, being out on the road, uh, you know I, I guess sort of the same subject matter as like Journeys Faithfully, but uh, uh, but but very much a, a different sound. And this one to me is just so plaintive of you know I'm I'm out here, you're back home. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't be with you But what I can do is I can, I can write you a song And that's exactly what I'm going to do And here it is And uh, I, that wouldn't I don't know it, To me, that should have been the last song on the album I bought you a light blue t-shirt last night
4: from some band I couldn't stand But their logo's all right Some kid threw a bottle on stage an arm like a pro. I know it's getting late, I guess I should let you go. But did I happen to say, hey, I've been writing you a road song. Don't run away, cause hey, I promise it won't be
2: Call I, I think there's a lot of very pedestrian, just sort of middle of the road type of uh, material on this album, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of "Cemetery Guns," which is uh, where the the phrase "sky full of holes" comes from. It's mm-hmm. the last song of the album, and it's really probably the most political song that uh, that Fountains of Wayne ever wrote. Um, you know, making references to uh, to the uh, the War Widow and to me, it—I um, don't know—it just—it just—it really seems out of place within the their the larger catalog. Um, and I just, you know, th- this is a—it's an album that I will revisit from time to time, but I generally don't spend a lot of time on it. And it is sort of a—it's a sad end to what was really an incredible band.
0: You guys covered most of the highlights here. Uh, the Summer Place is, uh, yeah, Cam said, it's a good song. It's not a great Fountains of Wayne song, but it's good. I feel like it tries too hard. Yeah. It tries
1: too hard to be the old style of the band. I don't know.
0: Road song is pretty, I like Cold Comfort Flowers, all right. I, I do want to, I have a slightly different interpretation of the action hero lyrics than, than Jeff, which is, I, I don't know if that character is has this kind of action hero fantasy, as much as the song is saying that, doing those everyday things, you know, being a dad, taking care of the kids, going to work, making a living makes you an action hero. And when he goes to the doctor and clearly is having heart issues, doctor says cut back and he's like, "Well, what am I what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm I'm the action hero. I'm the guy that provides for my family. I'm the guy that takes care of the kids. I, I, I can't stop doing that stuff." So, it See, this seems to be like
1: a- an equally plausible Take on the song which goes back to your original point about how you really can read these things in yep. lots of different ways
0: Yep um, So that's that's the fountains of Wayne output and as far as I know they never I mean there was no reunion They didn't play ever again uh, together. I don't I don't believe after the sky Full of holes tour in, in 2011 um, but we need to talk a little bit here about the side projects, the other things that that Adam Schlesinger had a hand in, and that goes to TV, that goes to uh, movies, that goes to side projects. I don't know where you guys want to start, Cam?
1: Sorry, Cam, yeah, you go first. Sure,
0: well, I'll just give you a a quick aside, because
2: there's a a, a lot that Adam did, but uh, one thing that I did not know that he was a part of, um, he co-wrote – Bowling for Soup's "High School Never Ends," uh, which was sort of you know their follow-up, uh, the first single I guess from their album after 1985, <laughs> uh, which has always been one of my favorite Bowling for Soup songs. And I did, I literally did not know until last night that Adam Schlesinger co-wrote that song. And now I've gone back and I've listened to it a couple times, and I can definitely hear his influence. So you know, besides the the, the music work, the TV work that he did, he also was. You know, he was very much a musician's musician. And there were a lot of guys, uh, a lot of folks within the industry that had a great deal of respect for, for his songwriting ability, for his producing ability. I know we're going to talk about the Monkeys and uh, the Good Times album, but, uh, you know, that, that's the thing. I mean, Found the Way, I think was an underappreciated band, but with, within his profession, I, I think it's fair to say that Adam Schlesinger was very appreciated for everything that he brought to the table. You know, what's
1: really funny is that at the beginning of the show, I told you I'd never heard really anything about Fountains of Wayne or Adam Schlesinger at all, except for the you know that thing you do, which everybody knew about in 1996. But then I realized that's not actually true because my wife and I were a huge fan of a show called My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which – As it turns out, Schlesinger was like the musical director for and co-wrote tons of the songs on. And I had no idea again about this until he passed away. But, man, I – People, that show, I, I think it got a little bit disappointing in its later seasons, but the early seasons of that show. This is a, a show that you know has musical numbers that are like all interspersed throughout it. Those songs, when you realize that he's a guy behind writing some of them, it makes so much sense because they're witty and funny and also immaculately hummable and singable.
0: And he was involved. Well, let, let's take that monkeys album that Ken mentioned. So, this—if you go back to the Political Beats archives, find the Monkees show. We spent a lot of time on "Good Times." This monkeys album that featured uh, three of the four. Well, actually, featured all four monkeys, but Davy Jones's part was was after his death. They, you know, they had some recorded vocals that they used. But Adam Schlesinger was key. He produced the album. He helped recruit writers. This tremendous stable of writers to to, to write material for this monkeys album and then he wrote a great song called our own world on the album but also co-wrote one with Mickey Dolenz that I think closes the album good times. And again, good times is a really good album and far better than it has any right to be given the fact that it's nearly 50 years after the monkeys heyday. Uh, it's it's great and you can give a ton a ton of that credit to uh, to Adam Schlesinger. Uh, he was also involved in a power pop super group called Tinted Windows, which featured Adam and uh, James Ehoff from Smashing Pumpkins, and uh, uh, one of the Hanson brothers, not from Slapshot, but from the band Hanson, and also Bun E. Carlos, the drummer from Cheap Trick. And what I'd say about Tinted Windows is, it was a little disappointing when you consider all the talent that was in that band um, there are a few good songs uh, from that one album they, they did it was back in 2009 uh, kind of a girl I think was the single that that was 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 pushed uh, can't get a read on you was pretty good but that that band was not quite as good it, it was it was less than the sum of its parts um, a lot of like thudding plotting chord driven pop power pop tracks that don't work extremely well it was fine it was okay i was hoping it would be more than it was
1: this is the only one of the the schlesinger side projects that i actually bothered to listen to before the show so i don't really have anything to say about ivy um but i i do completely agree with what you said scott i was i looked at the lineup and i was really hoping this would be a lot better than it turned out to be but i guess it's kind of maybe a too many cooks phenomenon (laughs)
2: Well, what's interesting is so Schlesinger apparently wrote all of the songs uh and I don't know you know how involved the rest of the band was I guess uh, Taylor Hansen uh co-wrote uh, the last song of the album with uh, with adam schlesinger uh, but but you're right I mean kind of a girl messing with my head uh, can't get a read on you those are great great power pop songs but you would think with that lineup and with Adam schlesinger's writing ability that you know there are eleven songs on the album like why couldn't we get eleven Killer songs Like we got in Welcome Interstate <laughs> Managers Or or, or even uh, Utopia Parkway And instead we got about I don't know Four To me Really great songs That I can still listen to And then the rest Is just Sort of filler There's nothing awful On the album But there's a lot of stuff That's just not memorable
0: and then cam are you are you an ivy fan i if i were to talk about anything he did with ivy i would i would piss off ivy fans because I, I only heard i've heard apartment life which is very very good that album but i, I have not listened to them enough to have thoughts on what's really great and and, and what's what's not
2: yeah I, you know i wish that i could say that i was um and and i i wasn't i like you i think i owned apartment life i think that was the uh the one album that i uh that i owned um they had a uh they had a song that was a, a theme to a, a TV show, I think, uh, at one point. But um, no, that was the that was the, the the side project of Adam Schlesinger's that I had a really hard time getting into. My wife, on the other hand, loves Ivy because she loves Massive Attack. She loves that kind of you know uh, a dreamy trip hop, and and that that was really more of what Ivy was. It was much more experimental. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I liked the tight hooks and the the power cords, and so this was the one that I really struggled to to get into.
1: The interesting thing about Ivy, by the way, is that it wasn't like something he only started up after Fountains of Wayne ceased being a touring act. He was in there before Fountains of Wayne Mm -hmm. came together, so it was just simultaneously alongside, you know, the one career uh, he was doing this sort of experimental thing. You know, I guess probably to satisfy his desire to not always have to write these perfectly crafted melodies or anything (laughs) like that. But yeah, I I mean, I just I don't have anything intelligent to say about it because I haven't really gotten around to listening to it yet. Very rare that I have to confess outright ignorance on political beats, but it does (laughs) happen, folks.
0: And the other one thing I'll mention is his work on a different movie called Music and Lyrics with Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore? Yeah. And that's another one where the, the songs have to be, they have to be great because the story is about the, the, the pop star who fell on hard times and then, you know, writes a, a batch of great songs. And um, he wrote, I think, four or five songs uh, of those on the album, including one called uh, Way Back Into Love, kind of a power ballad that's really good. <laughs> it really fits the movie well. I don't know, I wouldn't say it's a great film, but the music for it is pretty good.
1: Music and lyrics is one of those films that I saw because I think I was at some point in my relationship with Noelle sort of contractually obligated to see all Hugh Grant movies. Uh, yes. And, you know, and I've I liked there. it. And I, and I remember I thought the music was passively good, but it didn't make a
2: huge impression on me. And I haven't since gone back to review it. Uh, thankfully, my wife did not make me watch Hugh Grant movies. So I, I'm now kind of curious about this one, but I, I actually haven't uh, seen the film before.
0: Uh, anything, any, any other side projects that I'm not thinking? I think we covered the ones we want to get to, right, guys?
2: He's done so many yeah. things, but yeah. yeah I was going to say, he co-wrote uh, the musical ad- adaptation for Crybaby, the uh, the John Waters film.
1: Huh. That's a random credit. I had no well, idea. I know, right?
2: I, I had no idea either. But uh, he also apparently collaborated with uh, Sarah Silverman on a musical called The Bedwetter, uh, based on her book, uh, opening night, scheduled for June 20th of this year. But, um, maybe delayed. So that's actually, that might be the last the thing. last project, yeah, yeah. From Adam Schlesinger, yeah. yeah.
0: But he won a, I think he won a Grammy What for his work with the Stephen Colbert project. And so, yes, you can keep digging and find more and more things that, uh. Adam Schlesinger was uh, was involved with. Uh, in the certainly he was nominated for two
1: Emmys for his work on My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't remember if he won them or not but the songs are, I gotta say like, you know, you're a guy and you're listening to this show, you're thinking like the last thing on the planet I want to do is go watch a TV show that is also a musical that <laughs> is called My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend but guys, it's actually really, really funny, especially those first two seasons. I'd check it out if
0: I were you. And there we go. It's the Political Beats look at Adam Schlesinger and Fountains of Wayne with our guest Cam Edwards from Bearing Arms. And we come to the part of the episode where we all give you our uh, choices for two albums that you must own from our artist and five songs that you really need to hear. And we start with our guest. You can find him on Twitter, at Cam Edwards. Cam, your two uh, albums and five songs. All right, my two albums,
2: uh, Utopia Parkway and Welcome Interstate Managers. I think that, you know, you really there's there's... I know you guys say the uh, the last uh, few songs on Welcome Interstate Managers are kind of forgettable, but I, I think, you know, those are just two albums back to back that are as solid as you can possibly find from a uh, a musical act in that time period. Uh, my top five would be, uh, and I picked one from every album. I, I could have picked three just from Traffic and Weather, but I went with one from every album. So from their debut album, Sink to the Bottom. Uh, from Utopia Parkway, Troubled Times. From Welcome Interstate Managers, Bright Future in Sales, from uh, Traffic and Weather, New Routine, and from Sky Full of Holes, someone's going to break your heart. So I went with a lot of singles there, but uh, you know, I, I I was always more of a fan of the rock, driving, pounding power pop uh, side of Fountains of Wayne, as opposed to the the more acoustic, softer side, Jeff, that I think uh, you've been drawn to. So so they're my top five.
0: And uh, for me, my two albums, uh, "Welcome Interstate Managers," absolutely is my first album. Again, if not for the uh, oh, the excess of the CD era and the sixteen tracks, if you could just take a couple off, it would be just essentially a perfect album. It's still very, very close. Uh, and then the uh, the second album, I think it's the I think it's the debut. I think it's uh I think it's "Fountains of Wayne." Uh, the five songs from that debut album: Barbara H, a song that Chris Collingwood wrote about his wife. Uh, Red Dragon Tattoo from Utopia Parkway <laughs> is just—you need to hear that song. Uh, from uh, From Welcome Interstate Managers, uh, the back-to-back Hackensack and No Better Place. It just doesn't get better than that in the, in their career. And then from Traffic and Weather, I think I ninety five is a really special track and uh, one of the uh, s- slower, more more acoustic ones too. That's my 5. Jeff to you.
1: Uh I wrote down 7 songs. I hate that. Um <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure out how a way to quickly edit two of them out. All right. But as for my albums, I'm gonna go with the debut as well as Scott does. Uh, Fountains of Wayne, it's just such a striking like, you know, departure from well, not only what was common in nineteen ninety-six, but even today. It it's it's such a breath of fresh air to just hear all these unashamedly, unabashedly melodic songs. And, and actually and they're not monochromatic in style. It's not just all power pop being shoved down your throat. There's just lots of different kinds of music that are written so well and so wittily and such pleasure to listen to songs like that. And I guess for my second one, I I would argue, actually is again, the guy who got into Fountains of Wayne a week ago, I would actually argue all four of those first albums are, are are essential only their last one isn't but if i had to pick one more i'm going to say it's going to be welcome interstate managers too even though it's the only one of those first four albums that i think legitimately flawed in that it is as scott says overstuffed uh but you could just stop at track 12 and you'll be fine That's, (laughs) that's all you need to do just pretend that it's on the ep that got tacked on as bonus tracks and you're doing fine um As for my five songs, uh, I guess I'll take one from Fountains of Wayne, and if I'm going to have to pick one on an album that's just, just smashed full, of great melodies i'll go with leave the biker i just think it's such a funny song i think it's just a great character sketch you know not only of this this sort of uh, you know crude you know uh, like biker who like what is he's got his arm around every guy's dream and like how does he get the girl why am i sitting all alone leave the biker break his heart such a great melody that goes with it as well for my second one i'll take prom theme from Utopia Highway. It's actually one of my favorite Fountains of Wayne songs. Probably the only time they ever like did a straight up, almost ELO style ballad. like Just went for that unashamedly and I think pulled it off in a really beautiful way. For my third song, I'm going to take a track from uh, Welcome Interstate Managers and that's got to be Bright Future and Sales. You know, Cam mentioned it as well. It's just such a funny song. It's such a funny sketch about a guy who doesn't necessarily have to be a loser um, but keeps on sabotaging his life. Pack and sack would be another one I'd take from that album. Uh, we talked about why this is, is such a moving song. It's kind of a sad song um, about a guy who's you know you know been holding out for a dream that will never come true. And then my final song I'll take is from uh, Traffic and Weather, and it's Michael and Heather at the baggage claim. Is it meant straight? Is it meant as a metaphor? Uh, you can read it either way. It doesn't matter. I just think it's an incredibly beautiful song and, you know, emblematic of a band that, uh, you know, for all of their reputation as these, these, these giant, like, power-pop monsters or as being one-hit wonders, if you want to call it that, uh, they were actually pretty versatile and they could work in a lot of modes and what they always prized above all else is writing a smart, beautiful, and well-crafted song.
4: Michael and Heather at the baggage claim Tired of playing has got a different name. Michael and Heather may never get home again.
3: Michael
4: and Heather at the Lost and. That's soft and brown Sir, I'm so sorry It's just not around Michael and Heather Are glad to be on the ground
1: Also point out,
2: none of us mentioned Stacy's
0: mom.
2: <laughs> oh, no, you're right. Well, and look, Stacy's mom, as we said, it's a great song, but their catalog is so much more than Stacy's mom. And I'm, I'm, I'm as shocked as anyone to discover it.
0: There we are, the Fountains of Wayne episode of Political Beats. We uh, thank Cam Edwards for joining us, editor of Bearing Arms, the host of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company, and the 40 Acres at a Fool podcast. Find them on Twitter at Cam Edwards. Cam, thanks for joining us on this uh, emergency episode of oh, Absolutely.
2: Beats. Well, thanks so much for uh, for letting me be part of it. Uh, you know, I'm really sad that we're never going to get a chance to see these guys. You know, Men Fences and uh, and reunite. I think the uh, I think they still had some good music left in them, but at least we have, let's say, four and a half. <laughs> Uh, really incredible <laughs> albums to listen to. Maybe maybe five and a half if you include uh, the right. uh, out-of-state plates. Yeah.
1: I would, <laughs> actually. So, yeah. And by the way, it was our pleasure to have you on, camp. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you,
0: guys. Jeff Blair. Find him on Twitter at esotericcd. Jeff, uh, three shows in three weeks. I need a couple of weeks off, okay?
1: Yeah. All right. We're going to we're going to take a breather. (laughs) Hopefully nobody nobody go dying on us. Okay. I mean, gosh, John Pryan already did. So nobody else go dying on
0: us. Yeah. Uh, Again, find Jeff on Twitter at Esoteric CD. My name is Scott Bertram at Scott Bertram on Twitter. Please subscribe to our feed. Get those new episodes through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher or TuneIn or go right to NationalReview.com and click on podcast. Listen, enjoy, share them with friends. Or, uh, or enemies, and leave reviews. You can find us on Facebook, look for Political Beats, on Twitter at Political underscore Beats. This has been a presentation of National Review. This is Political Beats.